Aloha family. Nice to be sharing again with you. Today's episode uh, is with Jeff Wyum. This uh, interview is uh, very special for me. Like every interview, but this one in particular, because he comes with a message a message that I've been uh, embarked fully in discovering for the past five years, ever since I had my first trip and um, contact with uh, Quechua people in Peru. Jeff Wyum, he's, um, you'll hear all about his story during the interview, but he basically has been traveling throughout the globe contacting elders, contacting shamans, medicine people, and storytellers. And he's been doing this to keep, remember, and share a message that has been passed down generations. And it's a message that more than ever is very important for us during our time, during this moment, during this dimension. He uh, has a website called wisdomkeepersproject.org and um, he basically hosts retreats throughout the world. He has personal sessions and he's creating uh, what he calls the living library where he will be compiling and he's been compiling these teachings that he's been passed down and shared uh, with all of us. Uh, while chatting with him, I realized how grateful and how excited I'm to learn more about his living library. It made me think after the interview just how hard or how complicated it would have been for our ancestors or for our parents, great-grandparents, and yeah, uh, anybody that is not from this generation, let's say, to access this information. If you wanted to learn about the indigenous people of Australia and their teachings and prophecies, you will probably have to uh, fly to Australia. And back in the day, it was really expensive. It's still not cheap, but it's way more affordable. And uh, if you wanted to learn about the prophecies of the Quechua people of the Andes, you will have to go there and not only going there, but like you have to be admitted and welcome into their communities and go to towns that uh, are around 6,000 meters above sea level. So what uh, Jeff is doing, it's, it's a great service to humanity, a great service for us. He is bringing a message and finding the common thread with, between all these tribes, all these civilizations, all these indigenous people, and sharing it with us in a very down-to-earth, very applicable way, in a very simple way. And please don't confuse simple with um, 
not deep, not being deep. It's very simple, but very deep at the same time. During our conversation, I had many aha moments and very moment, very many moments that I felt so much hope and love for us earthling beings. And it was a reassurance that everything is within the divine plan, that there's nothing else to do but to trust, to keep showing up and always do our best. I want you to ask yourself, when was the last time you learned a new aspect of yourself, a new aspect of human consciousness, and you really trusted that, and you just went for it? I believe in this world, in this time, that we are being called to show up. We're being called to be in action, just like Jeff is in action, constantly traveling the world. He has a family, he lives in Hawaii, but he still is following the calling of his heart, the calling of his higher self. He is a man with a mission, no longer seeking, but finding the answers. And we all have the gift within us to be finders instead of seekers. And to be able to share this with those that are not as fortunate to access this information. Because that, I believe, is one of our biggest goals and biggest missions in life, which is to share the best of the best with our communities, with the people around us. And now with the internet, we can access all this information. I would suggest to really listen to this interview in a way that you create a sacred space, in a way that you create a gap in space and time so you can really soak in this message. Because what Jeff is sharing with us is a message that comes passed down from generation to generation through thousands of years probably, if not more. And I believe that if you're listening to this podcast, it means you're ready. It means that there's no more excuses for you to keep running away from your destiny of becoming a master of this and every other world, of embodying who you really are. In my own journey, when I started learning that there's other realities besides my own perspective in life, I realized that there's so much still to be done, but at the same time, there's nothing. Everything's okay. And with that, it came a sense of peace, knowing that I just have to keep breathing. I just have to keep loving, smiling, and blessing everything that happens in my life, and everything will still be okay. This is an opportunity for you to get activated by this message, to be on action, and to be of service. 
through yourself, through your family, and through the whole world. If you like this podcast, if you like this interview, as always, I kindly would like to ask if you could follow, subscribe, rate, review this episode, the podcast, because in this way, I'm able to reach other beautiful human beings that are waiting for this message. My purpose in life is to share the teachings that get handed to me. And this is one of those teachings that I believe help the greater good. So share the episode in your Facebook, on your Instagram. But if you only have to do one thing is listen to this podcast, listen to the interview and soak in this special message that was created for you. Anyways, I hope you enjoy the podcast. I hope you enjoy the interview. This is Urban Awakening, and today we have Jeffrey Wyom. He is a very unique being, like many others, but he has a very uh, unique story. He began his mystical studies and apprenticeship in China and Tibet in 1996. He was initiated into lineage of the Andean Alto Misayoks in 2007. Uh, Jeffrey offers an integrative approach to awakening and healing based on quantum energy medicine, somatic rebalancing, meditation, movement, yoga, qigong, reiki, sunlight therapy, and shamanic practice. His work supports awareness and embodiment of our eternal essence. He's also the director of Wisdom Keepers Paco Andino, a movie which chronicles the celestial integrated lifeways of the Andean Wilak Umakuna, holy mountain traditions in the Peruvian highlands. Welcome, Jeffrey. Nice to have you over for this podcast. Uh, uh, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate uh, reaching out. Thanks. Mm. So uh, right now you're in Hawaii. Uh, that's where you call home. I do, yeah. My family is here, and it's where I come to to rest and recharge uh, between the journeys out and the prayers and the retreats and programs in the world. Mm, beautiful. I have not been yet to Hawaii, but it's definitely one of those locations uh, that has been calling me for the past years. Um, how, um, how is life in Hawaii and in the States, given your, your current path and, and, and journey? Because... Uh, what we get always from the news, which I know we should not follow that much, is this uh, oppression and pressure that is constantly being given by the government and, and the corporate. Uh, uh, how is life in Hawaii? Do you find that it's like a little piece of heaven within this whole turmoil? Yeah, it's, um, well, everything is heaven right now. It's one's perspective. That's the mm -hmm. great awakening that we're going through. Uh, many people get caught up in the duality or the mm -hmm. different um, forces that create different stories, push different agendas, pay for different things to happen to try to keep people's mind in a certain um, controlled manner. It's, it's not too different than the matrix movie of the mm -hmm. 1990s. And um, so what I find is that I really um, 
find opportunities to love as a really as a form of prayer or a form of living um, wherever I go. And the more intense, the more entangled, the more dense the situation is. A, a place is the more opportunities for that transcendence there are. So one of the things I notice out in the world right now is people getting lost in opposition and in duality. And mm. if I look at the ancient ways and the ancient uh, prophecies, it's a time of overturning in the Andes. We call it the Panchakuti. And it's a time, 500-year eras. The last one was when the conquistadors arrived and overturned all of the holistic lifeways that were in South America and became more of a hierarchical um, control grid there. And so that, that time has expired. It coalesced with uh, different astrological and galactic cycles. And um, we're in a time where that which has been is going to be no longer. And that is happening very quickly. And in the process of that dying back, everything that has been in control is like a wild animal in the corner lashing out and throwing these things at people. And people have these um, beliefs that that is true and they have these great uproars and they throw it at geopolitics. They throw it at all of these different arenas. And really what this is, is just a big reflection of what's inside of us, mm-hmm. the part of ourselves that's separate, the part of ourselves that's asleep the part of ourselves that bought into the repression, the programs, the frustrations, the non-conscious agreements to have um, various things in our lives and play both roles, both the perpetrator and what we call the victim. Um, Mm -hmm. And all those dualistic things, that's all coming to an end. And what's Mm -hmm. happening is we're pushing all that up to the surface right now. And people are very angry. People are very opposed. And at that stage, there's a great awakening that happens where people say, I've had enough. And it's not I have enough of pointing the finger. It's that I've had enough stopping um, the blame, stopping the judgment, stopping Mm -hmm. the part of myself that doesn't take responsibility for the reality that I'm creating through my perspective. And here in Hawaii, we have Ho'oponopono, which is exactly Mm -hmm. that, to forgive ourselves for our trespass, to forgive others for their trespass. It even, you know, I can tie this into many traditions. If you look at the Christian tradition, you have forgive them, Father, for they do not know what they do. Mm -hmm. And that's a very powerful asking of forgiveness that we have to then look in the mirror in everything we do and say, you know, where am I going to war? Where am I standing in separation? Where am I choosing not to love? And then very beautifully to step across that threshold and say, what is left that is unloved? And where and how can I do that? Mm. And then once we start to come together in that space, then we become a human family and then the new earth begins. And then we stop this idea that we have to protect and we have to live in scarcity and war and all of this stuff. And it's it's simply a mind frame that took its completion and people get caught up in this idea of like, what about this and what about that and what about that? And I have to say to that is whatever it is you're going to find and look for, as a reason to stay separate, as a reason to not love, you're going to find it. And in fact, your electromagnetics are going to attract that to you so that you can have an opportunity to move through that separation, through that pain and suffering, to find it inside yourself, inside of ourselves, and then love that within. And then we'll literally will not be able to see it on the outside any longer. Beautiful. So let me see if I got this right. You're saying, so our perspective, if we have a perspective of 
um, anger, fear, we will be attracting that to us through our magnetic field. And then we constantly live in this uh, game or this illusion, this matrix of blaming others, the outside, the political situation, corporate, whatever, Mm -hmm. even our friends or family members for that that happens in our life. And that makes us go into a victim mode, which in really uh, it's just stopping us from taking ownership and and stepping into our full potential right exactly as long as we play into that force perspective that comes from duality that comes from the lack of love that comes from separation and fear we're going to continue to choose the same program over and over and over again like a feedback loop until we get so tired of it that we choose something different. Mm. So for me, what we call negative, what we call entangled and difficult, has its divinity mm. in that its job is to show us where we're outside of loving divine presence. Mm. And in that, and I don't mean in some airy-fairy, new-age, spiritual, ungrounded manner, I mean that we address everything that's going on in our lives in a moment-to-moment basis to the best of our ability so that we can come forward and come together again as one human family. Mm. And the only way we do that is to recognize where we're not that. So the negative, the destruction, the pollution, the separation, all of that violence is just this recognition within and without where we're not in connection and we're not in a harmonic and we're just simply not choosing love. Mm. Um, you know, and, and it's so it's so easy to stick to that that's the mm-hmm. thing that's so important I, I feel for all of us to understand is that if we've done that for decades and that's all we know because that's what we chose to come in and experience in order for our, our soul to evolve the only way we're going to be able to overcome that obstacle that we put up in front of ourselves is to not put it up in front of ourselves anymore, to choose not to look at something as separate. And you know, this is very difficult because at one year of age, our mind starts to have this perspective that this is me and that is you. Mm-hmm. If I get hit by something that you throw at me, I, I'm hurt by you, but yet we don't realize because we've lost the adequate wisdom traditions to say getting hurt is a choice. In mm-hmm. fact, somebody could take my body away from me kill my physical being but am i hurt only if i choose Mm. it's a huge responsibility and we as we grow up part of the prophecies in the andes say when people start start to choose truth over power then we'll have the beginnings of the great awakening oh wow and the truth that we're talking about is love Mm. and you know i struggle with every day you know my children are the exquisite reflections of where I'm yet to love myself, my family, my colleagues, my relationships, all of these things are working in a a symphony of consciousness saying, ah, have you loved this yet? Have you loved this? Mm. And I just have to sit in the humility and the sobriety of the drunkenness of my mind and say, ah, there I am. Gosh, look at me go. Look at me separate. Look at me not live a noble life. Look at me not sit in virtue. Look at me. Wow. And it's not a look at me in a selfie type of way, but I feel like this selfie craze that we have in the world is actually turning the focus back on ourselves so we can mm-hmm. take responsibility for all the tension we're holding in ourselves, you know? Mm-hmm. 
Well, yeah, like uh, when you were explaining a little bit how when we were born, we started having that dualistic mind. It brought up to me a, a Sri Ramana Maharashi's uh, quote that somebody asked him, how, how are we supposed to treat others? And he said, there's no other. And, um, and that exactly. was very impactful for me. It was like, really, and it goes to what you, you ended up this last uh, um, commentary upon, like love, which is, it's an uncon mm -hmm. unconditional love with without any if buts or what which is really hard sometimes to conceive but it's how to surrender completely to loving everything and every aspect um from your experience somebody listening to this yeah. okay i would even mm -hmm. tell me i was gonna say with that i would say it includes all the if ands and buts because mm -hmm. uh, a colleague of mine said to me a few months ago you know it's interesting this whole the only thing left as a choice in the timeline that we're in is unconditional love. But the only way to get there is to discover all the if, ands, and buts and frustrations along the mm -hmm. way. And as we discover them, to love them within ourselves and then do our best to love them outside mm -hmm. of ourselves. So, you know, to talk about unconditionality seems like we're talking about using a shovel to dig a mountain, you know? And mm -hmm it's a process that occurs moment to moment. And it's like walking through a, a landmine at times, because I find that I don't discover it until I'm in it. Mm -hmm. And then it's what I do with it when I'm there. That's important, you know, as opposed to living some detached, super spiritual, ungrounded, um, disconnected life that says, Oh, everything should be bliss. And it's like, what I found is as one awakens, as one enlightens or illuminates or any of these terms, you feel everything. Mm -hmm. You're not immune to anything. You are actually so integrated into all of life itself more and more and more that you, one doesn't have the ability to inflict pain because you start to feel it yourself as it's coming out of you. Mm -hmm. And in the meantime, dealing with an environment that is largely disconnected, that is largely um, working in paradigms of us against them, um, largely in urban centers where you're void of nature and simply ungrounded. The human body needs at least 40 minutes of touching the earth every day just to get the negative ions necessary mm -hmm. in order to compensate for all the, the energetics that we, we encounter through cellular, through Wi-Fi, through people's nervous systems. Mm. Uh, so some of uh, that was how you answered takes me to my next question which is somebody is not fulfilled or satisfied with their life and yeah you can tell them that they have to look within to be fulfilled but how can they discover as you were mentioning before those ifs buts and what so they can work on that what would be like some applicable grounded techniques or 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 some uh, advice for somebody that's looking to pursue this uh, awakening. I would loop right back into what we were talking about is self-responsibility and ownership. The only way through is taking ownership that it's our perspective. There's nothing else going on in my experience. Sure, people are projecting. Sure, people are um, orchestrating. Sure, people are corrupting and polluting and contriving. Sure, you know, mm. because they're lost themselves in the same nature we've lost ourselves we are a, a species that is recovering our grace that is waking up again and to simply say that 
I'm looking at this and I'm believing it to be true creates my reality. I'm watching this newscast that's completely fake, completely contorted, completely <laughs> 180 degrees backwards, which is every day we see it. And I'm <clears throat> buying into that medicine, you, will, you might say. Why? Because I'm, I'm angry because I haven't felt love. My family is broken apart. My society is broken apart. The morals and the ethics have become corrupted. And we're in this time, the punch where everything is overturning and nothing seems to be what it is. The prophecies of the ancient ones say that when the world gets 180 degrees away from that reality, that truth of, and holiness, that wholeness, then we'll have this great overturning, this great quantum shift, and that's what we're experiencing now. So starting at home and simply saying, oh, what's my perspective? Why am I believing this to be true? Why am I buying into other people's circuses? What is my own fight, flight, freeze mechanism um, saying? You know, and the funny thing about that is it only knows from its own experience, and therefore it's going to protect you from anything unknown. If all one has mm-hmm. known is pain and suffering, it's going to protect you from grace, love, and acceptance. Mm-hmm. In fact, if someone grows up in a place where they suffer abuse because they've chosen as a soul to overcome certain aspects in their life and, and learn love in those environments, they're going to equate that traumatic response to love. So mm-hmm. if love is spelled D-E-A-T-H or F-E-A-R, we're going to go out subconsciously and look for those kind of very repressive, difficult, painful, abusive situations in order to simply equate it to what we believe love is because that's the way we programmed ourselves. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're not talking about some repainting the house here. We're talking about a very deep, sometimes excruciating, and that's why I say a sobriety from the drunkenness of our mind. Mm-hmm. It's opening to the reality that is there at every moment, just unchosen because of circumstance, because of choice, because of influence, because of bullying, because of peer pressure, because it's what's on Instagram, it's what's on Twitter, it's what's on here, it's what's on there. And when we finally start to think and feel for ourselves and to choose love, then we're going to be getting somewhere, you know? If you look at Gandhi, he didn't just show up from a place of loving presence. He showed up because he got tired of being an abusive person that was taking his frustration out of what was going on to his countrymen on other people, most specifically his wife, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So we're talking about balancing the masculine feminine where the feminine was asking, the queen was asking the king to go kill somebody because she was afraid where the violence generated in the feminine, where the violence was generated in the masculine, where it's been perpetuated in the masculine and the feminine back and forth, standing up, pushing one another down in duality. Now we're in this age where it's all coming up together. Everything is overturning. What we have left is a simple choice to love. And the way you're going to become a good lover and do the lover's journey, which is beyond the hero's journey, is Mm -hmm. to really choose to not react from separation. And you know, it's something that I challenge me every single day. Mm -hmm. I would say somebody in New York recently said, oh, it's so easy in Hawaii. You just can sit <laughs> under a coconut tree and eat mangoes and things like this. And I said, yeah, but, you know, you have 12 million opportunities to make eye contact every day in New York City. I don't. So it's really one's perspective of how mm-hmm. you look at the world is what I'm saying. Wow. 
Wow. So basically you're saying that if somebody was born into an environment uh, where they had to, where they had to learn um, unconditional love and whatnot, because they were constantly being uh, abused or in uh, fear mm -hmm. or whatever, they don't, like you said, this is not like a paint uh, job in the house. They have to completely got themselves out and, and almost become a, a new self, no? Because that, that old self is not really themselves. It's just um, like, a, like a hologram of the experience of their uh, youth, right? Yeah, let me put it this way. The image that comes to mind is about surrender. So you have a need in an abusive or difficult environment to have discernment. You have to have a safe environment to exist, to find the safety first right so there is that boundary there is that um discernment as i'm saying and then there's a place of coming to a point of i'm going to surrender to the blame i'm going to surrender to the victimization i'm going to surrender to my mindset that is keeping me separate from all of this so in that there's a great fear that comes up and the mind will say well what are you you know you're becoming vulnerable <clears throat> and one must say oh well then receptivity must come forward and receptivity and vulnerability are cousins And so once an established safety has been created, um, an environment of safety has been established. From there, the work begins, which is I'm no longer going to choose to go to war for the simple sake of protecting myself from that which has not happened. Because my mind is trying to protect me from the potential of what could happen to me. And we get stuck in those cycles over and over and over again. And so what happens is one man's trash is another man's treasure. One perspective of fear and loathing through the alchemy of love and choosing to not to listen to the mind that's telling you this could be dangerous, this could be difficult, but to use discernment and rationality and opportunity to say, how can I turn the situation into gold? Obviously, I'm not going to go right into some situation and be harmed, but I'm not going to choose to damn that person to eternity when that person is struggling and reaching out from their own pain that came from their ancestry we're all just processing the great human experience and at some point each of us has to choose a space in my opinion to love mm. and for me all the techniques and all the lineages and all of the study and all of everything At the end of every lineage and every tradition, there's love. If you look at the Sufi tradition, they're the masters of love. The universe runs on love. When you sit in the sunshine and it shines down upon you, that's love. Mm. If we're so afraid to not be loved, we're actually going to sit in the shade and not let the sun touch us because mm -hmm. we're afraid to get burned. You know what I mean, metaphorically? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we have to, we have to learn how to be out in the sun long enough to get the rays long enough to feel the energy of the oh my gosh i'm feeling completely exposed and vulnerable and uh, mm -hmm. and listen to that that response that's coming from the fight flight freeze mechanism mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. have the wherewithal to say and yet i hear you i feel it i'm triggered i'm tense and i'm going to choose to breathe and let go and use my discernment and have a safe environment and to choose to address that man or that woman 
or that whatever that is simply triggering me and giving me the key and the opportunity to open the door where I've locked myself in. Hmm. And I'm telling you, it is not easy, but it's the basis of every tradition. It's the basis of every lineage. It is the basis of awakening. It is what we lost and what we are remembering. Hmm. It's so simple and yet it is not easy. So whatever the circumstance is, there's a way through. Mm. Okay, there's a way. When through. a great master is one, in my opinion, that goes in the densest, most entangled, difficult situation and prays in the light. And in my experience, when you do that, the clouds lift, the sun comes out, and you're sitting there in the bright light that is the equal intensity to the intensity of that darkness. Because mm. in duality, we have balance. And have it's balance. our responsibility mm. to to call in the light where there's darkness in our own perspective. Mm. And I, I just hope that makes sense because it's at times it's, it's so challenging to put this into words because there's such simple, profound constructs. And yet there's just so many ways our minds will resist it. Mm. I know. I think, I think uh, you've, you've been able to express it really nicely. Like for sure, like myself, when, like when, when I'm faced with so much information, I always hit replay, listening to it again. And it's like a really good deep book that you like, mm. have to reread and you'll keep getting the deeper message, the deeper message that I was uh, mm. intended. Um, mm -hmm. Since um, you have uh, such a vast experience uh, with uh, Andean Holy Mountain tradition and, and, you, work, uh, and you were initiated as a Pachacuti, um, Will you share with us some of uh, the sacred codices of the Andean holy mountain tradition? Well, yeah, I've actually been sharing it all along here. Um, I know, I know, the, I know. Mm -hmm. The irony of it is, is one of the, the prophecies says at this time, the wisdom that's stored in the ice crystals of the glaciers will start to melt as a result of a solar cycle, a solar minimum, a solar maximum where the waters flow from the mountains back amongst the people so they can be drunk, they can be imbibed, so that the knowledge that has been stored in the glaciers for all these thousands of years will start to germinate, to start to activate um, all the energies in the people, to activate all of the consciousness in the people. So you can look the cycles of nature that we're experiencing as the awakening mm -hmm. we can either focus on the loss or the propaganda that is spewed out or we mm -hmm. can look at the natural cycle and say ah what a blessed event the codices of the andes are about animistic consciousness which is simply the anima or the life force that is within all things and reestablishing a relationship based on that so that you know you're a plant whisperer you're an animal whisperer you're you're speaking with everything all the time the bird song that comes at a specific time has a specific meaning when you get stood up and when you get knocked down there's specific information what i find is that when one chooses these ways that we're talking about life becomes a series of green lights that keeps opening and opening and opening and when there's a yellow light or a red light it's a space where we then say ah there's something maybe out of balance mm. and i might sit for a moment and ask and then that information will come to me see we're because of our fear because of this great construct 
important separation. We've lost trust. We've lost, we've grown afraid of each other. We tend to not sit and breathe long enough to let that which appears to be scary blossom into the most loving presence and gracious experience we've ever had. We don't sit long enough and hug the person who's yelling at us to recognize they're in pain and all they have is this screaming pain and let them cry that out in our arms so that we can choose not to be hurt. We can choose not to take offense. We can just choose to be that earth mother, that holy father, and let that happen until that which is in separation is no longer. As we grow into that, so say the codexes, we'll have an overturning of humanity, a panchakuti. We'll have a remembering. We'll have a re-embodiment. We'll have a new earth and a society that's deeply woven together based on the potential of what we can create together as opposed to the perspective or the acknowledgement of how far we've grown apart from each other. Mm. So the whole construct of the Andes is based on an ascending cosmology that rises like a plant. The strength of the masculine is like the stalk of the sunflower that rises up to heaven. The flower, that which receives the hummingbird and the, the butterfly, the bee, sits atop that stalk in perfect balance from the masculine within each of us, regardless of our gender. And then the sun and the moon and the earth come together through that divine being, us, that extension, that plant. And we grow our seeds and those seeds of consciousness drop to the ground or are consumed by other beings are used to extend life. And mm. for the most part, we've just forgotten this. Mm. We've disconnected because we tend to get our power from a switch. We get our food from a market. We get our water from a tap. We've grown separate from the resource or the abundance that is the earth. We've put ourselves in a mental poverty. We've, we've separated from the source of life itself within us. Our life force, our sexuality is our cows, our chi, our prana. It has been co-opted. It has been diminished. It has been bullied. It has been abused. It has been neglected. It has been disrupted. And so we can continue to perpetuate all that, or as the Andean codexes say, we can do alchemy. We can turn the lead into gold. We -hmm. can choose through one act at a time, poco a poco, little by little, to step graciously into that which offends us, into that which triggers us, into that which um, causes us so much pain and suffering. And we can choose simply to love ourselves enough in that place not to react, not to choose fear when all of the alarm bells are going off, but to simply sit in that which is the opportunity to love. Mm. Again, Gandhi, mm-hmm. you know, violently abusive, went upstairs to his roof, started to weave fabric, and one day said, you know, I, this, I, we must do something, walked hundreds of kilometers to the seashore, pick up the salt and say, you cannot tax this, speaking to the British officers in the empire that had invaded their land, right? Mm -hmm. And then sat there in that nonviolence while the British regiment beat them and sat there until the British regiment recognized they were doing so asked and so ashamed at what they were doing that they set down their own violence 
So mm -hmm. was there a harm that happened? Or was there simply one person standing in a choice not to be harmed, but in what is truth and be the example for the other? And as we do that together, we rise together and we come up and we're hand in hand. And it's like the great trees and the road before us, all their roots are interwoven. And when the great rainstorm and the great windstorm comes, the storm that we're experiencing now in the United States, in Paris, in England, all across this globe, that great storm is nothing because we're together as people. We're together, we're learning one heart again. Right? We're remembering that the actions we choose today are going to affect all the generations to come. It takes a tremendous amount of courage and that's why in this period of darkness that we've experienced for 13,000 years, the ancient ones and the wisdom keepers have been holding us for a long time until humanity had reached this point we're at now. Mm -hmm. We've had enough of the other. We've had enough of the violence and the self-abuse. Mm. We've had a, enough of the, the perspective of blame and duality and separation and, and judgment. Mm. And now it's simply the discernment, the self-fulfillment, the unconditional love, forgive them, Father, for they do not know what they do. Forgive me, Mother, Father, for I do not know what I do. Mm. And I don't mean to sound religious about it. I just mean to look at the tenets that underlie everything before it was corrupted too and mm -hmm. go back to the original way we all lived, mm -hmm. which is in a harmonic. You know? mm. And that's all overturning right now. That's the amazing thing is this is all ceasing to exist right now in 2019 mm -hmm. all so, of the pain and suffering uh what you're sharing right now i think for many uh it could be really disruptive you know because they they could be thinking okay right now jeffrey's saying that according to the scriptures according to the codices uh, maybe even going back to the kali yuga that we're coming out this is mm -hmm. the time we this is the this, we're living the prophecy so we mm -hmm. have the option to either still be victims and say, oh, global warming, we're going to die or wars and whatever you want to call it, any kind of oppression or perspective of the world, and you're the victim. Or according to these prophecies, we actually are benefiting from melting the glacier so we can inhibit ourselves with this blissful manna of life, of, of forgiveness, of eternal love. and it gives us uh, an, uh, an it empowers us to stand up and and be our ultimate version. It it could be very daunting for many. I could see because it's like really. So this is the moment that they were predicting that they were talking about in the ancient scriptures. This is the mm -hmm. moment. So there's no time to be lazy. Yeah, there's no time to be lazy. There's no time to stay home and and complain because it's the time to to step it up. I guess you know. So how do you how do you help people in this process? Because you, you hold retreats uh, worldwide, right? Correct, yeah. Yeah, we, we basically hold the container and the best of our ability, our example, um, and engage others that have really done the work, the elders, the wisdom keepers, the, the way showers. Because we're, they call us the, our younger brothers and sisters because we've, we're still having temper tantrums. <laughs> We're still buying into these programs that say, this is the cause of global warming. This is this, this is that. You need to do this. You need to do that. There's such a mechanism. And, you know, I came out of 20 years of behind the scenes in media. So I'm very 
aware of of how that works because I had to cop to the fact that I was there as well. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the Wisdom Keepers Project is one where we hold space for others to go through their temper tantrum, to resist, to scream, to shout, to yell, to whatever they need to do to get in touch with those emotions, that anger, because underneath that anger is the sadness and underneath that sadness is the joy. And the only way out is through. And if we don't have permission to live and be heard, then mm-hmm. we're going to hold it in and it's going to turn to disease and we're going we're gonna to wake up the hard way, use it on our deathbed, on mm-hmm. our way out or in between worlds again, and then choose to have difficult situations. Because in my experience, I've come to understand that if you have the wider your wingspan, the more you can carry. So mm-hmm. as you come in, you're going to come in at a time and amongst people and situations where there's a lot of challenge and a lot of difficulty. And then you're going to rise as a result of that. And you're going to bring all of it with you. And that's what we're dealing with right now. And it's so easy to get caught up in red hats and pipelines and wars and agendas. And when we actually wake up to the fact that all of that is manufactured to create a perspective, Mm. to keep one in a disharmony, to keep the masses at each other's throats. I mean, it's like the Super Bowl coming up, right? It's people (laughs) pitted against each other. And all the forms that were kept pitting against each other, having gladiator-type warfare to perpetuate that which was created to keep us from ourselves. The main construct that is disrupted is the love between man and woman, the masculine and the feminine. So you see that in the youth now you see that in the millennials you see that in the different generations where their love has been co-opted by hooking up by sex thinking that that actually is love you know you've even see it going Mm -hmm. into the tantric practice or the medicine ceremonies where everybody's out to have a saturday night high no one's really doing the work not i'll take that back they're not doing the work but the work is so much more profound than that level that that person who's done a ceremony a couple of times and is now leading that ceremony, so to speak, is doing. I was just with the, the minds down in Guatemala a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. and they spoke specifically to that. And we're all out looking for something. And blessed be, we're going refi- to find that in wherever we need to go. But there's something very profound about the sobriety of ownership and saying, okay, how do I do this? And that's the very reason we do the programs and the retreats mm. where we're creating a living library of information now mm-hmm. so that people can go to that and be immersed and feel what it's like to unplug, to put the phone down, you know, to, mm-hmm. and at the same time, we're taking the wisdom teachings and recording it and bringing it right into that phone so that when you're on the tube or the Metro or wherever you find yourself, you can tune in and get a dose of, reality Mm, so it's both the positive and the negative it's like you know we want to unplug and at the same time if people are plugged in we're going to reach them where they're at Mm -hmm. so it's for me it's creating our it's manifest destiny it's using the tools we have and the courage we have to take the next step that we know we need to do and if people want to delay or defend or deny or stay in war blessed be when you get tired of that, try something else. Try loving, you know. <laughs> Again, Gandhi, tar- tired of being abusive, try nonviolence. 
you know, and, and when we each sit on either side of that construct enough in enough lifetimes, we start to realize a wholeness or a holiness that comes from here's my action and here's the reaction physics, right? Mm -hmm. Here is me taking advantage unconsciously or, or consciously what Christianity calls a sin to, in order to ensure that my family is safe, that we have enough resources. And here I am in another construct being taken from and feeling the pain and suffering of losing a life, losing an elder, losing a crop, whatever it is. And through that emotional intelligence, I gain from both perspectives. I come to a wholeness, a meta position at the top of the triangle, the top of the mountain. And I can look down into all the dark places and the valleys and the shadows where the sun hasn't reached. And I can say, ah, look at that. Look at that. Hmm. And, uh, and then I, we step out of war. We step out of this duality. We step out of this, this primal need to have our needs met at the expense of someone else. Capitalism. We return to a cooperative. We bypass the socialist structure that never worked in the first place. You know, you see that in the United States now. You see a great socialism trying to rise, but yet it's based on the same constructs that never worked in the Marxist form that was created as a form of control back in the 1950s. So we have these looping timelines, these looping consciousness. And in the Andes and the Codexes, we say, what is old is new again, you know? Mm -hmm. At some point, the white is going to be the new black, and at some point, the black is going to be the new white. And eventually, we're going to recognize that it's all one, the yin-yang. <laughs> so everywhere through, throughout the world, we see these constructs of figuring out. We came from an age of the guru, where guru, to lead someone from the dark to the light. Mm -hmm. These holy men and women that dedicated their lives and held the wisdom like a laser beam, how to get through the darkness. And everybody had to follow that exact thing, like the Maharishi's way in order to get there, to touch that grace. But as of 2012, when the Mayan calendar reset itself, when the cosmic cycle of 25,920 years made a full galactic circle, the Milky Way made one revolution and started into the light again, now we can stub our toe crossing the street and have an awakening. In the mm -hmm. same degree, we can have sitting in a temple and saying prayers for 20 years. Hmm. In fact, so now I've we found have that people sitting. Go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say that now we have no excuse to say that. Oh, uh, like I don't live up in the mountains in the Himalayas, or I, I don't have a cave to meditate. Like right now, that awakening is very available. It's very available wherever we are within ourselves because we don't have to look anymore elsewhere. We have everything within, right? Everything. We have everything we need. And gosh, we got Google, for God's sakes. You know? it's, we've got more than enough stimulus. But the problem is that we keep looking for the answer. We keep looking for that which is programmed to be outside of ourselves. And it reminds me of the kind of the cosmic joke when the creator made humans. They said, where are we going to put the solution for all this? And the creator said, I know, we'll put it inside of them. They'll never think to look there. <laughs> right? That's really good. Somebody told me the other day, so like, it's a, it's I'm, over. Uh, I'm tired of, of meeting seekers. I wanna, I wanna, I wanna find, I wanna meet more finders you know, because the world is full of people wanting, seeking out, seeking out, and stuff. Realizing, as you said, that the answer was within, but we always look somewhere else, right? Um, so, 
Um, yeah, seeking is actually. You were mentioning yeah, yoga and meditation. Started, uh, a great you've been starting with uh, with uh, with the uh, Taitas, uh, the um, the the Quechua people, uh, for a while already. Um, I've I've read somewhere that um, or in multiple sources that the energetic center of the earth, even though I know it's everywhere, but the energetic center from the earth, which was located in in Tibet, Himalayas area has shifted to the Andes. Is that uh, something you've experienced? Yeah, it was held up until 1959 in the Himalayas. One of the jobs of the Dalai Lama is to maintain umbilical cord a connection. Okay, yeah. So, um, yeah, so is that something you've experienced? Yeah, the connection shifted to the sacred feminine, which is in the Andes, away from the Himalayas in 1959, when the Dalai Lama left Tibet. He disconnected the, that cord, and it searched for a while and landed in the northern part of Chile. And so the sacred feminine is being fed from that and feeding into the earth right now. It's also the return of the goddess culture. And reason why Syria is such a conflict point is because the goddess vortexes, the energetic centers there are waking up and all of the, uh, let's just call it darker forces, we're trying to keep those closed down. Mm. So, you know, using the word ISIS, for example, to denote a, uh, an agenda created group of people that do certain things for certain reasons. And that's to associate the name ISIS with negativity. So, you know, it's, it's, it is a matrix. And we have to, everybody has to become very aware that this is going on. And not only that, not to choose to go to war against that. He says, we're going to get caught in the war. In the early 90s, an example of that is, is that the Koreans were given a lot of loans and the African-American community were not. And it was the perfect cover story so that the African-Americans would start attacking the Koreans and created the LA riots. Right? So if we are fighting amongst ourselves and kept away from the larger picture of what's really going on, then we're just going to be in a stage of war, never-ending war. If we fight against that never-ending war, we're still in that war. The moment we fight cancer, the fight anything we're, we've lost. So in my opinion, we have to become aware of that and just choose, come together and choose something different. Hmm. Beautiful. Um, so... Um... Right now, as you mentioned before, you're doing uh, the Global Living Wisdom Library, which you said we're going to be using technology mm-hmm. on our advantage to be able to tune in to amazing teachings uh, from people you and um, from lineages you've been uh, interviewing and learning from. So we can, from the subway or the metro, we could easily tap into like amazing knowledge, right? Um, Correct. When do you have any dates of when this is going to be released or some more information on this? Well, we've, uh, yeah, we've started recording. We started with the Mayans and um, in a couple of weeks we'll be at the Maori in New Zealand mm-hmm. and then up in Indonesia and then where the travels take us. For example, the Aniwa is a gathering in uh, New York that happens every June where we all come together about 30 or 40 leaders and we do ceremony and share wisdom. And all of those uh, places of retreat and all of the material that we'll be putting out will go out through 
wisdomkeepersproject.org to begin with. Mm-hmm. And then I'll go on to the Niwa site that is being built at the moment. So we're constructing a, a living wisdom library where people can tune in and, and seek uh, answers or perspectives to the questions that trouble them. Mm. And it's a large ongoing process. And uh, like I said, two weeks ago, we just filmed our first uh, installment. So that'll be, mm. that's in the process right now. Congratulations. Yeah, this is, this is, sounds amazing. And I'm excited to be able to tap into it because many of the teachings you're going to be sharing, like I just want to think maybe my, my grandparents, for them to be able to reach those teachings, they will have to travel half the world or what you're doing, basically travel the entire globe to get these teachings. But now, really, there's no excuse to say, I don't know, or I'm, I want to live in, in, not in darkness, but uh, you know, like in, in, um, in this uh, shadow. Because if you want to know and you want to learn, yeah. there's enough resources thanks to people and projects like yours. Yeah, there's a lot of people doing this now. In Indonesia, I've run into a gentleman um, who's doing the living jungle. And a woman just yesterday, uh, a friend of mine here, is, we were talking about her the wisdom weaving of bringing people together. So it's, it's very much a call and it's interesting, very much uh, in line with all the prophecies where they say that the wisdom will be brought out of the mountains and forests and deserts and jungles and spread amongst the masses, actually hidden amongst the masses, which just means it becomes part of our everyday consciousness. Mm, thank you. Um, okay. I have, um, so could you give us maybe like a few I tried some things to give the audience some like easy to follow step-by-step practice or something, you know, like maybe read this book, sit down with yourself and breathe for five minutes. Can you have, can you give us like a couple of, of tips and tricks for, for the audience that they could start applying uh, on their daily life? Sure. Sure. I mean, let's go to what we've been talking about, about perspective. That's the main one. It's the most profound and the simplest start to be aware of what we are all doing. So if my parents named me Jeff, for example, I need to watch what Jeff is doing because Jeff has been programmed from a young age to sit in a dualistic blame scenario, right? So if I can watch how I perpetuate that, if one can watch how they perpetuate that and start to become aware of their choices on a moment-to-moment basis, then we're all better able to tune in and choose something different and find the courage to see beyond the, the blockage, to see where the potential lies so that we start to become manifestors, which is the act of moving from seeing is believing, the scientific protocol, right? Mm-hmm. I can see it, I can hear it, I can feel it, therefore it's real. And then recognizing that if we step in and we start to believe the potential of something to choose something different, then we can create that manifestation through the electromagnetics of everything. And we draw to us the people that fulfill that. We find ourselves in the circumstances that fulfill that. And then all of a sudden we realize, oh my gosh, all I did was hold the intention Right. Set the intention, hold the attention. Mm. And this came to be, and there's manifestation. So um, another simple technique is just turn your electronics off. <laughs> you know, turn, turn the Wi-Fi off. You know, incredibly disruptive. Um, 
cellular, incredibly disruptive to the human being. Turn it off when you're not using it. Unplug, get out into nature. There's things you can do like grounding sheets that you can look up, earthing sheets. Mm -hmm. And what those do is are copper filaments that are connected through the grounding of a plug down into the earth, into the copper rod that's in each building into the earth and the negative ions flow up that copper rod and flow through these copper filaments in this sheet or in this wristband and help to give a pathway for all the anxiety and all the uh, to leave the body all the energy that comes from the cell towers the wi-fi mm-hmm. the computer screens the televisions the screaming people right so you can use technology to mitigate the stuff there's a site called chiorganizer.com where you mm-hmm. can create get these pendants that offset the biological harm that happens to emf they're mm-hmm. incredible i use them my sons have one each that they wear at school for the wi-fi that's there mm-hmm. so it is a combination of ancient practice and technological um, mm-hmm. support and mm-hmm. slowing down getting off the merry-go-round learning to breathe lear- learning to sit learning how to quiet the mind so that you can actually start to tune into everything that's going on are all very good. Start to loosen up the body and move, start to get out into nature, you know, scream underwater kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And at the far extent of that, there's so many people that do yoga twice a day, once a day, meditate every day and, and are feeling stuck because they've only taken those forms through their physical or maybe into their emotional components or their mental components, but haven't extended it into an illuminated form, which is, it's like a canoe that takes you from point A to point B. At some point, you realize you don't need the canoe because you're the self and you do the form, but you're not going there as a physicality to, to look good. You're going there because there's a movement and an awakening that happens from within. And then you may not need that. You know, mm-hmm. if we look at the Buddha, for example, you know, Siddhartha coming from opulence, and then he regressed and, and rejected and said, no, I don't want this. And the father was very angry and he went out and he sought the aesthetic life and sat under the banyan tree for a long period of time. And people say, ah, oh, he became enlightened there. No, he became enlightened when he stood up in the recognition that it wasn't one extreme or the other. He shattered the roof beam, to my understanding from the elders because he recognized that he was in duality against opulence. And now he recognized that the aesthetic and the damage it did to his body and the difficulty it did to his body and the absence of, let's even say sensuality of life force of various things. He had overcome that and realized that wasn't it either. And the middle way when he stood up in recognition that it was not either extreme. So, The simple thing is look in your life and see where you are in extremes. See where you're wound up about Black Lives Matters or Antifa or Democrats or Republicans or this or that or Yellow Vest and whatever. And watch and look very carefully where you're all buying into something that's done and created to throw you out of balance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then stand up and put on a Yellow Vest if that's what you want to do stand up and become a member of Congress or whatever it is you want to do, become a teacher, become a yogi, whatever it is you want to do. It doesn't matter so much what you do, but how you do it, in my opinion. 
And if we can do things well, and we can do things beautifully, and if we can do things with such holiness, such wholeness, then we'll be that example that Gandhi became, that Buddha became, that Yeshua became, that Mary became, that all of those in all indigenous forms that still hold it are mm -hmm. to this very day. Mm. And it becomes a, a one love. One love. Quote Bob Marley. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, it becomes a, a non-separation. It becomes the simplicity of saying, you know what? I'm really stuck. I don't know what the heck to do. I feel like I need to invest and go and do some work around some people that are living this way. And that loops right back into the whole purpose why we do retreats and offer programs is to come together as a holy family once again and remember how to love. Love each other, love ourselves. If I don't love myself, I can't love anybody else. You know? Mm -hmm. If I find myself in relationships that aren't working, I have to realize I'm choosing to be there. I'm choosing to hold that partner to that role to piss me off so that I can come to the point to say, thank you so much for what you've done for me. You're free to move on to being a loving person because I no longer need you to push my buttons any longer because I realize that I'm holding you in that role. That's a huge self-responsibility. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we can go and we can say mantras. We can write Sanskrit. We can do yoga. We can meditate. We can do Tai Chi. We can do Qigong. We can, you name it. We can go for a swim. We can do the same eloquence and the same holiness when we clean the toilet, when we change a diaper, when we fix a meal, when we jumpstart someone's car for them, when we hold the door open for them, when we clean the mold and the rot out of our own being, right? So when we start to bring that wholeness and that sunshine into the darkest, deepest, most entangled, difficult situations, Thanksgiving dinner, for example, then we're getting somewhere mm -hmm. because there's someone showing up consciously and saying, mm, I know it's everybody's feuding here and I know I have tons of reasons to blame and to stay separate, but I think today I'm going to choose something different. And I think that's very powerful medicine. Mm. Thank you. Well, we go to the dark to find the light. We become our self-guru. We become our self-guru, which I think that's uh, the message I keep uh, hearing and sharing more often nowadays. It's like you have everything. All the answers are within, and you are going to take yourself to the light. Um, so uh, to wrap this up, I've been asking a question to my latest uh, guests, which is, Let's suppose we're going to use technology for a good reason this time. And they gave you, Jeffrey, two minutes on national TV all around the globe. All the channels will tune in into this two-minute uh, message. What would that message be? You have to repeat the question because yeah. it yeah. broke up. I didn't hear you. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. So uh, I've been sharing this question. Yeah. So with uh, with my latest guest uh, about uh, imagine that right now you got two minutes on worldwide TV. This time we're using technology for a good purpose, and you could share a message 
for two minutes that all the channels will tune in into your yep. channel. What would that message be? Have you had enough of the discord and the difficulty and the self-created misery? And if so, what would you like to do? And where would you start? And who would be the person most has the most capacity to meet you there? Start there. Take that step. If you find yourself sitting under some tree because it's in opposition to something else, is that really where you want to be? Do you really want to waste your time going to war against some political agenda that is completely misunderstood, some climate agenda that's completely misunderstood, some aspect of consciousness that is in a limited form? Are we tired of trying to heal ourselves, but yet going to doctors, priests, and psychologists separately to address different aspects of ourselves? Are we ready to rise? Not in opposition, but in love. Because the natural outcome of rising in love is that we don't choose the lack of love any longer. And that atrophies automatically because it's no longer being chosen. So we point at what is wrong, we make it stronger. We choose that which is growing, it grows stronger. The strength of that support of our choice is the stalk of the sunflower seed. The receptivity and the openness, the vulnerability of the flowering opens so that the symmetry and the symbiosis of that which pollinates it, the sunlight, life itself is around us. And of course, there's gonna be times when we're in the dark and we have to hold that light We've been doing that for 13,000 years. But that time is over. We're waiting for each of us to stand in love. When I talk to the elders across the globe, they say, you are the ones we've been waiting for. Hmm. This generation right now, all these people. So again, are you ready? And if so, reach out to others that do like types of work, like-minded people, conscious community, immersion, inspiration, and just move in that way so your choices become the solution. So the very choice of your perspective does not become a problem or strengthening a problem that you may unwittingly are supporting because you bought into agenda that someone else has created because it feels like an adequate response or an opposition to something that doesn't work. So it's neither the opulence or the aesthetic. It's not the right or the left. We put it all together. I guess you could look at it as the red and the blue come together to create purple. So I would even go so far as to put the whole spectrum together and stop confusing all the genders and all of this other forms of separation and come back to the light, which is the white light made up of the seven spectrums. We come in that way, we lose frequencies, and through our experiences, we try to reconnect to all that language, all those codes, all that light. 
so that when we exit this life, we take that and all of our experience of the light with us and regenerate it over and over and over and over again. This cycle has never started and it's never going to end. We're just simply holding our part along the way and we're in a really powerful time because this type of awakening has never been done on a planetary body at this scale ever before. And that's why there's so many beings here watching us and so many recognize that they can't do it for us. We each have to stand up and do it for ourselves. So I think that would be my message is to say, if you're ready, then reach out. Mm, join Come join together. the tribe. <laughs> Learn to love again. Wow, beautiful. Tribe. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm uh, really grateful uh, for uh, so ha- having you on the, on the podcast, Urban Awakening. It's, um, it's really beautiful to see how these prophecies are, are, are coming alive because you are bringing this sacred knowledge, these sacred teachings to everybody through different mediums, through your retreats, through your events and gatherings, through an amazing movie such as Wisdom Keepers, Paco Andino, which I highly suggest anybody wanting to know more about these sacred codices and, and, and the lifestyle of these beautiful human beings that will remind you how simple and, and well you can live. Um, you, they can find them on your website, wisdomkeepersproject.org, where they can find more information. Uh, thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much for your passion. Uh, I hope and I'm sure many of our listeners and mm, people thank the you. Audience will be able to take that when you pursue a life of purpose, when you pursue a life of magic, doors will open and, and you can actually make a, a beautiful life and living, you live in Hawaii, you have kids and you travel the globe doing what you love. So why not stand up and join the tribe? Mm. Yeah. Well, thank you for reaching out. We can't do this alone. And I'm just really grateful for everyone involved um, and everyone making these choices because at times they're not easy. Mm. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. <laughs> Appreciate it.